as well, getting really to the heart of the matter. Today we're going to go a bit further back in the Bible. We're going to be um, in Deuteronomy 4, verses 1 to 14. And in this point of the history of the Bible, Moses, the leader of the Israelites, is addressing the nation. They're now about to finally enter the promised land. Whereas a generation before, they failed to do so, and they've had to wander the desert for 40 years. This could be described as almost Moses' farewell address, because even though the Israelites are going to enter the promised land, he's not. It's a point of great transition for the nation, and not only are they going to experience finally getting there, they're actually going to have a new leader soon, as Moses passes the um, baton, so to speak, to Joshua. So if you turn with me, if you have your Bibles to Deuteronomy 4, also if you don't have them, it should appear up on the PowerPoint. Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them that so you may live and may go well and take and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed Baal Peor, for all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow in the land, um, them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their, God, their gods near them in the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him and what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today only be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live teach them to your children and to their children after them remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words, so they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens, with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are always a God who has spoken to his people that you have graciously revealed things to us, that you are a God that desires relationship. He desire, you desire to know us. Um, you desire to, us to 
have a journey with you. And Lord, I just pray this morning that, uh, as always, our hearts will be open to what you want to share, that there will be um, confidence in the power of your word to speak, confidence in the power of your word to change, to transform. So Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit will take what I'm about to say and it will impart in people what you want to impart. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I can get overwhelmed with the sheer amount of things we have to remember nowadays. There's PIN numbers for bank cards and accounts. There's passwords for email and computers. There's birthdays, anniversaries. If you've got a car, there's trying to make sure you get the MOT done once a year. There's remembering the names of the people you meet. There's, if you're having an exam, there's revising all those things and trying to remember them at the right time. And for those of us with a bad memory, that can feel like a lot of pressure. And it can be a bit exhausting. And this got me thinking that when there's an earthquake, scientists measure its power using the Richter scale. The higher the number, the more powerful the earthquake is. So you often, when someone's reporting an earthquake, you often get that phrase, it registered 6.5 on the Richter scale. And from that, you can get an idea of its power and likely the damage that it's caused. And I was thinking, maybe we need some kind of scale for the things we have to remember in our day-to-day -day lives. So, because not as bad as an earthquake, but they can have consequences if we forget them. So, if I forgot the password for my email, you know, it's a bit inconvenient, but it's not too difficult to solve. That would probably register a 1.2 on a scale. Forgetting your PIN number to your bank card when you're at the checkout at the supermarket. Now, if you don't have any cash in your wallet, I'd say that has the potential to be very embarrassing. You'd have to take the shopping back maybe down the aisle. I'd say that that could register a 5.6 on the scale. Forgetting to get your car's MOT done. Well, if you had a crash without a valid MOT, that's going to be very expensive, very problematic. That would register, I think that would register an 8.3. Finally, forgetting your wife's birthday. <laughs> or maybe forgetting a wedding anniversary. I'm, thankfully, I'm not speaking from experience here, but maybe we'd need a different kind of scale altogether for that one. <laughs> There are lots of things to remember in life, but I think, imagine we'd all agree that there are more, some things are more important to remember than others, but I can seem to remember the most trivial things, but the most important ones can slip from my heart. And there's a warning about this in the passage we just read. The first part of verse 9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. And today I'm really going to speak about how I believe one of the great dangers of being a Christian is our forgetfulness and the damage that that can cause. And I'll explain what I mean by that by using an example from my own life and, um, and with my wife as well. Um, I have permission to share this, I should say, at the beginning. When Emma became, well, since Emma was pregnant with uh, Naomi. She just had a series of kind of health problems, basically. She had one that caused her particular pain, made it very difficult for her to walk. You know, for the last part of her pregnancy, she was 
on crutches, and it was just very difficult experience for her. And we were kind of hoping that maybe, we were expecting that once the baby would um, arrive, that actually it would clear up completely. And even though it has got amazingly better, I think it's, it's still lingering, is how I'll describe it. And I think Emma would say that even though it's got better, it's almost been like she's taken a couple of steps forward, then it feels like another step back and the pain is still there. And, and there's been other complications during pregnancy and after, and it's just been, in some ways, just a little bit challenging. And I, I remember th um, thinking that I just need to watch my heart because there has been times that almost on Emma's behalf, I've become a bit disgruntled and a bit disheartened and a bit disillusioned. It's almost like, are we still dealing with this? And it's always like, God, can we, is there another problem now? Can we just not move on? And I think I was having one of those moments when I was feeling a bit disgruntled and a bit disillusioned. And I was just reminded of something. It's one of those you know, Holy Spirit moments, the thought comes into your head. And I was reminded about how maybe two Christmases ago, before Naomi was born, Emma had been diagnosed with a problem with her ovaries. And at the time, the doctors were saying that conceiving, you know, could, could likely be difficult or it may not happen at all. And when that happened, I wasn't panicking, but I was just left with this sense of starting a family is going to be more difficult than I imagined. And I think when you, something like that is thrown at you in your lives, you're kind of, it pushes you to prayer, that kind of sense of desperation. It's not something you can handle. And so we prayed about it, and we prayed for healing. We prayed that it wouldn't be a barrier and as I'm sure most of you know, it's not been a barrier. We've got um, my daughter at the back is, um, is there, shrieks during the service, and it's fantastic. But I've just been struck recently how quickly I can forget how God acted in an amazing way in my life. Amazing healing, incredible blessing, incredible answer to prayer. And I forgot. And because I forgot, I become, when I was facing something else maybe, we were facing another health issue, my approach to it was quite different. I became maybe a bit disgruntled, a bit disillusioned, and maybe I was reminded of the need to pray about that. Um, it's good to remember how God has acted in our lives. It's those things where he's come through for us, and I'm sure we can all testify to those moments. It's good to remember those and not to let them slip from our hearts. Jesus told a parable about the sower. He scattered seed in different places on the path, on rocky ground. Some fell on good soil, but he also spoke about how other seed fell amongst the thorns. And when he later explains that parable, he's saying that the, um, the seed amongst the thorns grew up, but the thorns grew up with it as well. And But the thorns choked it. And he goes on to say that's the, the, it's when people hear the word and the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, just chokes it out of them, almost stunts their growth as a kind of, as a believer. And sometimes things can be happening in our lives, and they do make us angry with God. We're almost like, oh, why is this happening to me? We can be suffering something. But actually, I think what happens more often than not is that something's going on over here, and it is such a distraction. It occupies so much of our attention we've completely forgotten about God. It's not that you were even angry or upset. God is not even in the picture. And we have to be careful because 
that shapes the way we pray. If, that, if we're removing God from the picture, we're losing that kind of boldness to pray. And I just want to remember, and I want to encourage us to remember the things he's done for us because it cultivates thankfulness in our hearts, but it shapes our prayer life. We pray with faith, knowing that he is a God who loves us, who will act for us again, and who will come through from us again. Because when those things slip from our hearts, often faith slips from our hearts as well. Some of us may have been um, Christians for longer than um, others, but I'm certain that everyone here has examples of God acting in amazing ways in their life. So it's just an encouragement to be careful. Watch yourself closely. Don't forget them. Don't let them slip from your hearts. It's good to remember how God has acted for us personally, but there's another way it's important to remember. In Deuteronomy, part of what Moses is doing is he's reminding Israel of their history with God, how he's acted for them. He doesn't want them as God's chosen nation to forget. And I think that's why that's, there's that phrase that comes up a couple of times, teach them to your children. It's a history that should be passed on to the subsequent generations so it's never lost. Festivals were a big part of the Israelite way of life, a form of celebrating and commemorating things. Uh, one of the more well-known ones was the Passover festival. And this would be, during this festival, the Israelites remembered how they'd been enslaved in Egypt and how God had come through for them. God sent many plagues to try and convince the Pharaoh to let them go. But his heart had been hardened. So God sent a final one, a plague where every firstborn child would die. Tim Keller, a pastor from New York, he describes it as, it's like the sword of divine justice that would fall on everyone unless you killed a lamb, put the blood on the door of your household to signify that you're trusting God to spare your family. So when justice came down, it was either you took protection under that, the slain lamb on your door, or you suffered the consequences. The final plague led to the Pharaoh agreeing to let them go. And Israel would remember how they were slaves in Egypt and God brought them out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Now I imagine when they had that festival, that was a story they told to each other. You can imagine that a family sitting there and that the child may be asking, why, am I, why are we having this meal? And the parent would explain, it's because God did this for us. And just that act of remembrance, that act of thinking about, reminding themselves of what he'd done for them as a nation, it would shape them. It would shape their identity. They'd be thinking, actually, we're the Israelites. This is, he is our God. He is the one who brought us out of slavery, who's acted for us again and again. He's the one who has shown us his glory. And that that would build into who they are. And we can think of Israel as the nation, but many of those promises are fulfilled actually in us as the church. But as they were his chosen nation, we are his chosen people. And we can do something that helps us with that. We can remind ourselves of our identity as that. And part of that is telling of God's goodness to each other. A while ago, Tim, who I'm Becca's husband, who used to lead worship here, shared something a story of God's provision in our community group. And 
hope I'm getting this right. I haven't managed to get in contact, so um, I hope the main point's right. But they were just preparing to move down to Bristol, and obviously with all that entails, starting a new life there. And they were just in need of a car, basically. And in that moment, again, Tim just really thought, oh, I'm just going to pray God and ask for it. I'm going to really trust his provision for a car. And so he was praying, and not only did he feel God say that, I'm going to provide you a car, he felt that it was so specific that the car was going to be green, I think, if I remember correctly. It's going to be a green car. So I think some offers of cars came up over the time, and you can imagine the strange conversations Tim must have. Okay, it's a BMW, yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's black. No, 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 not interested. <laughs> or, um, and I think there's just some instances where there's maybe, there's precision there, but he just didn't think it was the specific provision for him. And then I think finally someone phoned him up and was saying that, Tim, for your wedding, we don't really want to give you a present off the wedding list. We, we just got this car. And I imagine how he's like feeling at that moment. Might have tentatively asked, what colour is it? And they replied, it was, it was green. And in that moment, I have to say, I was, we experienced, I think lots of us can be experiencing financial challenges and it can just be the way the uh, country is at the moment, it's a bit tight. That story so encouraged me, not just about God's provision, but how he loves us so much, he is that specific with it for us. And again, that impacted my prayer life. So when I was going away to pray, that story was in my head, like, oh, God is good. I've seen him act in someone's life like this. When I was praying, I was like, God, please, again, provide. It's good to remember things like that. And as much as possible, we should be telling each other about those stories, about what God is doing in our lives, because it encourages us, it strengthens faith, faith, I should say, and it builds community as well. And there's another benefit to that, because if I'm sharing those types of stories, if I happen to forget, you can remind me in a loving Christian way. So if you're seeing me being disgruntled or a bit disillusioned, you can go, Steve, what about that story when God did that for you? Look at your daughter. What a blessing. What an amazing answer to prayer. And that is, and that will just, well, it'd be really helpful for me. But it's not just about healing, say, or financial provision. We also trust God to do breakthrough um, in our lives. You know, we expect sins to be broken. We expect the Holy Spirit to do a sanctifying work in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I can often not recognize that in myself. I often liken it to, like, children growing up. It's not like an a eight-year-old wakes up one morning and says, do you know what? I think I'm six centimeters taller. I think I've grown six centimeters this year. They don't. They don't recognize their own growth in height. It takes a parent to maybe do the measurements on the wall, or it takes that slightly irritating relative to come along and go, my, haven't you grown, and things like that. Um, we can be that slightly annoying relative to each other. We can remind each other of the things that God has done for us, the growth, the answers to prayer, but also the breakthrough in sin, that how we've grown in Christ, how he's been formed in us, in greater measure. But I've titled this talk, It's Good to Remember, but I do recognize that remembering can be painful as well. And it, one way it can be painful is that I touched on this a bit in, during the meeting when I prayed that 
you can, you're just reminded of past sins. You can be going along your normal life and then all of a sudden something comes into your head of something you've done in the past and it's like the guilt, the condemnation, the shame. It's like you're experiencing it all for the first time again. And in that way, remembering can be really painful. And if you don't deal with that, that lingers and it, it doesn't help your relationship with God. But again, God in his grace knows us better than ourselves and he's given us a means of moving forward. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until, his, until he comes. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is a means of grace to Christians. When we take the bread and the wine, we are reminded of that, that at the cross, Jesus' body was broken for us. At the cross, his blood was shed for us. It's the cup of the new covenant, that new relationship. Just like with the Passover way back in Israel's history, the Israelites didn't have to suffer God's justice because they had put that blood on their door. Now, as Christians, we don't have to fear God's judgment because of past sins, because as we sung, it's finished. It's done with. Because of his blood, we're forgiven. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to grapple with condemnation. His blood has washed away our sins. And it's in that, through communion, through coming back to the cross in our daily lives, that we experience that forgiveness again. And that helps us when the lies are thrown at us that we can actually, we can just reject them. No, it is finished. It is done. But remembering can be painful in another way as well. It's not painful because you might have lies thrown at you about past sins or you're kind of condemned about mistakes where you feel you've wronged God in some way. Actually, remembering is painful because you remember how you've been wronged when maybe you've been the victim of something, when you've had to deal with pain that's been the consequence of someone else's sin, maybe not your own. But just in the same, but again, coming back to the cross, it's the means of grace to us. Communion, it's the means of grace to us to remember when we come again to experience that forgiveness, to know that it is finished in our lives, but we can remember that we have to forgive others. How can we not? And actually, that's quite releasing. We often catch on to the lie that forgiveness is just a one-off event, like getting saved is just a one-off event. But actually, if you've been hurt in the past by something, and to be honest, I'm sure we all are, have, forgiveness is an ongoing thing. It might, those feelings of hurt, those feelings of bitterness, of anger can rise up. Actually, forgiveness is not a one-off event. It may be something you have to do daily. It may be something you have to do weekly. Have to come back against the cross, 
recognize how you've been forgiven to then forgive the others, um, people who may have hurt you. Um, in a moment, we're going to end in response by taking communion. I think um, Phil's going to come up. Um, the band are going to play. And I just, just to recap, I think as we do that, it may be for some of you that you're coming against that place of um, just asking God's forgiveness because you've forgotten how much he's blessed you, forgotten how faithful he's been to you, all the things that he's done to you, you've just, you've just forgotten. Um, for others, it might be that you've just been grappling with a bit of condemnation, thoughts being thrown at you about past sins, past mistakes, and you need to come and just experience that forgiveness again. Take the bread and the wine. Remember, Jesus' broken body and his shed blood for you. Taking communion for some of you today might be forgiving again. Forgiving those of people who may have hurt you, done you wrong. Coming to that place of experiencing his forgiveness in your own life so you can forgive others. So I'm just going to pray quickly. I think John and Don can bring out the communion stuff to the front. Lord Jesus, we thank you that when we remember what you have done in our lives, we can be so thankful. Not just the act of you saving us, but how in your goodness, in your graciousness, you have lavished on us blessing after blessing. But when we face challenges, you have come through for us, that you've provided, you've healed. Um, Lord, you are a gracious and good God to us. And Lord, I just pray that as we come to take the bread and the wine um, now, Lord, that again it will be that experience of forgiveness, that experience of your grace towards us that transforms and changes experience forgiveness that breaks the cycles of sin, breaks the condemnation, and actually gives us the grace to forgive others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, just as we um, come forward to take communion, as Steve was uh, speaking, I just felt a couple of things, and feel that this morning was an opportunity and through the worship and the, um, and the word given at the beginning to approach his throne, but first do that through the cross. And so I think uh, for some people this morning, you need to come before the cross.